<laughs> oh, you know what? I forgot to post my my one page on. I didn't send it to. I didn't get nobody else. Oh boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna get. All right, tonight we are on uh, chapter 55 of the complete green letters. All right. Um, this is, this is some very good material, and what, I, what we're going to talk about tonight, um, we will be dealing with some of the things in chapter 55, but we have other things I want to look at before we get to chapter 55. <clears throat> this is talking about, to us about how to live the Christian life, and I just want to m- make sure I go over this with you. When you are born again, you're born again like a baby. You, you, you don't know everything you're going to, to know. But it's when a baby is born, do you realize that everything that baby's going to need to be an adult is already in them? It's already inside them. They're, they're going to have to take time to get to use it. Everything's not as strong as it needs to be. There's going to be some exercises. There's going to be some other things there. And there will be uh, different hormones that go to work at different time that are going to bring them up to a little more of, of an adult. But everything that is going to be an adult is in them. It just has to be developed. That's what's true with you as well. When we're born again, everything that we need to be a mature believer in Christ is in us already. It got there. But that doesn't mean you know how to use it. Um, I know that the capacity to speak languages is in every baby. But obviously, they don't start speaking the language for a little while. They have to learn how to speak that. They have to form their tongue and everything just correct to do that. They have to form their dentals just correctly to do that. Because it's different from one set to another. You know, there, there are some children that can... Well, I remember watching Kathy Aiken's kids. Man, those kids could pick up... They were multilingual. They had a number of languages and could speak them all with the right. I took French, and my, my Arkansas mouth did not fit French words. They just they didn't roll out the same way. The, the words came out, but I could watch French people just look at me as if to say, poor child. I, I don't know what happened to him. Mother must have beat him or something. I don't know. How did he get there like that? I took German then. Um, and once again, my German professor said, well, that's good hillbilly German. Uh, but I didn't know anybody knew hillbilly German. Uh, so there's something about the shape of your mouth and the being in it, having the right hearing and stuff like that. So to expect that we are going to be mature people when we are just starting out on this thing is crazy. And to expect that even start part way along, because we've been older a little while, that because we've, uh, we're a certain age, we should have grabbed on to all these principles. No. If, you, if, if I take a baby and I, I turn him loose for a while, but I don't feed him well, and I don't put him in positions where he does have to roll over and he does have to get up on his hands and knees and start to crawl, and he does have to pull himself up to some object and learn how to walk and stand then he's going to be underdeveloped. And that happens to all of us. 
if, if I'm more interested in how I'm going to make a living or how I'm going to deal with my family and I work with all that, instead of working on, and I should say in the place of and instead of, not the, the two can be done jointly together. But if I do it instead of that, then I may look like I'm, I'm a great, solid Christian, but if you ask me questions about my faith, I don't think I could answer them. If you, if you ask me, how should I live, I could not tell you because I'm not practiced at it. And we go through events all through our life that teach us how to walk maturely. But you do have to practice. It's not something that just happens naturally. Everybody with me? So the, some of the things we're looking at, um, what he's tried to do in this, this pretty good book is to set out all the things that need to take place in a person in order to mature. <clears throat> Some of it is going to be quite complicated if we're not used to hearing that language. If we're not used to walking that way, it's not going to work the same way. All right. So um, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll go into it. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this good news we've heard about Patty today, Father. Thank you for the way you're working on those things. We do pray for the people in that are in Kansas City, asking that in Jesus' name you will minister powerfully to them, to all those families that were there. I ask you to help the authorities find the right people and that uh, some, some discipline, punishment, uh, some corrective measure can be done to take care of that situation. I know what your word has said. And I, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that whatever inspired these people to do that, give them room to repent and get away from that kind of hatred or whatever it was that drove them. Thank you for what you'll do there. <clears throat> we ask just now you'll open our hearts. Thank you for uh, some of the kids at Berean who are starting to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do ask, Father, that for the sake of Christ, that those uh, young men and women in legacy who are suffering from sicknesses and uh, seem like they're just passing around quite a little bit there, that there might be healing to put over into legacy and that uh, they might be brought back to good, solid health again. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I talked to Wayne Cormier today. I got my, uh, uh, he calls every Wednesday so we get to have a good conversation together. And, um, uh, He's had some really good things going on. He's getting his schedule set up. Uh, what, what Wayne usually does, he, he gets up, uh, waits around till about 9.30 or so. Then he goes to the coffee shop. And at the coffee shop, there's just all kinds of people for him to talk to there. And he built solid relationships there. As a matter of fact, the owner's uh, kids, um, he, he developed a relationship with them where they play games each morning, some kind of game each morning. He plays chess with the older one. He plays backgammon with the younger one. And that's caused their mother then to appreciate someone showing that kind of attention. You know, she's, she has to bring her kids to the coffee shop. And, of course, they've got nothing to do all day except be there at the coffee shop. Uh, they're homeschooled. So they have lessons that they can do at times. But... Um, when they're done with the lessons, they, they're there at the store. <laughs> um, she also has a goat farm, so she's got a lot of things that she's, she just does a lot of things. So she's appreciated. And Wayne was telling me that they had a city council meeting. Um, and many of the people from this city come to hear what the city council is going to do. 
And um, they said, uh, well, what are we going to do this year? And the owner of the coffee shop said, well, I don't know what you guys are planning, but I think you ought to follow the example of the church. They're just do- they did some great stuff for us this last year. That was really good stuff. What did they do? They had a vacation Bible school. Okay, so that, that was a good thing for them. They had um, someone had hit a moose or shot a moose, and it was not, not big enough. But all that meat was going to go to waste. So the church cut it all up, butchered it all up, and then gave it to the poor. And they did a couple other things like that, had softball going. They had all kinds of things. And she saw that as a real positive thing for the whole community. The church also on their 4th of July um, uh, parade, yeah, parade. <laughs> uh, their church put a float in. They got a flatbed truck and they put a float in talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, a variety of things like that. So the church is, Wayne's got the church very involved in the community and they're eating that up. But <clears throat> he was saying to, uh, today that some of the people are ginning up because it's, um, I think it's crab fishing season. So they have to, some of them are going crabbing and a bunch of those people there have boats. So they're taking all that out and it said it's making church attendance kind of up and down, up and down, up and down. But those who are coming, he said, man, are we, we're getting pretty good uh, responses from people. And you see the people are growing in grace. So he said, uh, just remember him in prayer if he would. There's a lot of good work going on up there. And um, Wayne's just a, a blessed brother. All right. <clears throat> does, does Wayne preach every Sunday? Yes. He preaches on Sunday morning. Then uh, he has a Bible study on Thursday night, I believe it is. And then they have a prayer meeting on Sunday night. And then he speaks a variety of, I think he has a ladies' Bible study that meets on Tuesday, I believe is when that is. And uh, oh, one of the ladies in the church has decided that she's going to start making breakfast on, I forgot what day it was. And uh, people from the community are showing up. The, the two shops they have there, the, um, one guy says, I'd love to eat breakfast there, but I, I, I every now and then I'd like just have an American breakfast. Well, what they do, they are kind of deli-type shops, so they're making some sort of weird, um, you know, cream cheese-filled tortilla with... Um, you know, crab meat, and and he said, "Why? What's wrong with just bacon, eggs, biscuits, a little gravy? What? What? What's wrong with?" It? So this lady decided she's going to make American breakfast, <laughs> and the community's getting excited about coming to an American breakfast. Well, anyway, yeah, at the church, yeah. So anyway, Wayne's a delight to talk to. Well, let me talk to you about what I'm understanding is God's philosophy and praxis of education. Now, let me tell you what I mean by this. I've been reading the Bible for years, and as I was reading it, it never dawned on me that when Hebrews says that Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered, what? He was learning obedience? Do you ever think of Jesus as already perfect? I mean, he's doing everything perfectly. That's not what was going on. 
And it's not that he didn't do things perfectly. He had perfect faith. So he trusted his father implicitly. But Jesus, as the man Jesus, had to learn to speak Hebrew. He had to learn to read, just like the kids do in your, your learning center. He had to learn all those things, and he had to learn obedience to the things which he suffered. So there was a school going on. So if you would, his father is schooling him the whole time on how to be the Messiah. And it took him about 30 years to have Jesus prepared to be the Messiah. You say, and, and I'm saying if, there, if he could have done it at 16, then he would have. But he told his mother even at one point, my time is not yet. So he was going to have to wait until a certain amount of preparation had been done. That's exactly what God was going to do with Adam. Everybody follow me? Adam was also going to go through a school to learn to be the lords of earth. He was supposed to be that lord that's over the earth. So he was going to go through school. And just like Satan had done Jesus, remember when Jesus, uh, he knows what, what allegedly Messiah has come for. Uh, Satan understands the, the principle that's going on there too. He knew that Messiah had come to claim all the lands, to, to get the earth back. He's supposed to be the Lord of the earth. So do you remember what Satan did to him? He said, if you fall down and worship me here, I'll give you all the lands. I'll turn them over to you. Okay? Now, there's multiple problems in that. But one of the problems was he's offering him a shortcut. You don't have to go through all the stuff you're going to go through. Here's a shortcut. Take the shortcut. That's what he offered to Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve are going to become gods. You understand what I'm saying when I say that? Um, I, was, I was saying this to, I think, um, one, of, one of the staff next door. No, 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 we're not going to become gods, I said. Well, even in the denomination you're in, that's not true. You think so too. No, no. no. I said, no, we don't like to say that. We call it sanctification. Peter says you are partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? If you are in union with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the same kind of union he has with his Father. And that is what John 17, Jesus prayed for. Father, I pray that they'll be one with me as I am one with you. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. You understand where I'm coming from? Can you be essentially God? No. You're not of the same essence. You're a created thing. But you do have all the fruit of the Spirit, which are the character traits of God. Does that make sense? So I said, no, we just don't like to use that word. We like to use the word sanctification. And our sanctification will one day be complete. And we'll be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? When you use words, think what they mean. If you're going to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ, what is that? You have to ask, what form is that? 
It is the form of the living God. John said it this way, Beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. Everybody see where I'm coming from on that? So the goal in God's education was to teach us how to do that. And that involved trust. That involved humility. That involved obedience. What we were supposed to learn, not this shortcut thing that Satan offered, here, eat this, this plant and you'll shortcut the whole thing. You'll be like God's. We were supposed to learn from him being in a relationship with him as his image, we were supposed to learn how to walk in a trusting, faithful way, doing things exactly like he does them. That's holy. That's perfection. That's righteousness. That's glory. When you do things the way God does things, that's glorifying God. Everybody with me on that? So when you're glorifying God, you're doing them just like he does them. You're doing them through his power working through you. There's some pretty incredible things that were done. When Jesus gave to his disciples his authority and power, that's divine authority and power. They cast out demons, kids. They were impressed that, you know, the, even though they healed all those people when Jesus sent them out and they healed people and stuff like that, they were impressed that even the demons are subject to us in your name. Yeah, because that name is the, is the God that's over them all. all right? So let's take a look then at what I'm saying with this. <clears throat> God's philosophy and practice of education. This is what I think I can show you from the Scripture. There is an educational and practical goal that God has set. When he creates man, he has a purpose in creating him. He has something he's going to do with him. When he creates him, he says, let us make man in our image. So he's already got a, a goal in mind. Right? So he's already got something in mind there. And then let them be uh, multiply. Let them have dominion over the earth. They're going to behave like his stewards, gods, if you would, the lords of the earth. They're going to behave that way. He's going to show them the power and the authority to do that. All right? So he has this educational goal. It's a vision of the future. It is for men to be in his image, conformed to the image of his son, to become like God. That's what, the, that's what his educational goal is. All right? <clears throat> Principles are given in verbal, sometimes written, form. When he says, this is what you're going to do, that's God giving his word to people, and people are to respond to that word. So sometimes they can be in propositional forms. By propositional forms, you just simply mean they're, they're set up as things that are true. If he, if he says that the Lord is gracious, full of mercy, kind, long-suffering. That's all propositional statements. He's telling you, here's a true statement. You don't have to go around and try to figure out and put him in a, a test tube and see if you can figure out what he is. He just told you what he was. And when he tells you that, it's expected that you're going to believe that proposition. If he says, be fruitful and multiply, that's a proposition. He's telling you, this is what you're going to do. That is what you do. 
if he says to the plants, you're going to bear seed, you're going to come up out of the green ground, the ground and you're going to be green or whatever color you're going to be, then that's a propositional statement. He's making that statement, and that's what this is going to take place. Um, sometimes they can be in pragmatic observations. Now, I mean by this, we're going to watch the example of somebody and follow that example. That's all we're doing. We, we look here in the Scriptures and say, this is, this is uh, uh, I'll give you, here's one. John 13, Jesus loved his disciples to the end. And he takes off his outer clothes, puts a towel around him, and walks around and washes the feet of the disciples. And then says to them, what you have seen me do, do. That's just an example. That's a pragmatic observation. You're looking at it and you're saying, well, that's what, that's what Jesus said to do, therefore we do that. Okay? Uh, they can be in command or imperative form. If he says, go and make disciples, you don't have to figure out, well, what should I do today? It's go and make disciples. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concern you. What should I do today? Give thanks. Well, there's, there's not, I mean, this is not an issue for a committee that needs to meet. Um, they can be analogous in nature. That is one thing compared to another by illustration. Sometimes he just says, uh, the, um, the, the gospel is like a man who went out to sow seed. So now he's going to take this um, illustration and he's going to point out to us that some seed fell on hard ground. It couldn't penetrate the ground. And because it laid there on top, the birds came, took it away. Some seed fell in where there's a little bit of soil and it, it popped up right away, but it couldn't get through the rest of it, so it died because it didn't have enough. Okay? And, and some seed fell into thorny ground, and it grew up together with the thorns, and after a while the thorns just choked it out. And, and then he says, and, and other fell on good soil. And he tells you that some of the Word of God falls in with good thinking, good people, people who are going to respond to that Word, and they bear fruit. The goal of the sower is to have fruit-bearing plants. So the first group, not going to work. He said it's like those who hear the Word and don't care. See, he's giving us an illustration by an analogy, same way he did with several parables. And you can find that all throughout the, the Bible. That's God's way of teaching us, okay? And then they can be in a parallel contrast with something similar. Sometimes he'll have uh, Proverbs is really good at this. It'll say, uh, here's, here's the line, and right underneath it will say a line that's just like it, but it's different words, and they are, they are parallel to each other. Those are, uh, in Scripture, they're really called parallelism, all right? So when he gives us his word, he's expecting us to know that word and to learn from those words. It's a part of our education. So he gives it in many different ways. Number three, each lesson is a trust builder and is always on the job training. Each lesson is a trust builder and is always on the job training. I mean just simply this. The goal, look, I'm going to say it this way. I don't think he's as interested in the product that we make as he is in the relationship with him it took to make it. 
And I, I'm saying that only because he and Solomon worked together to make a temple. But the temple was destroyed. That didn't end any relationship. You understand what I'm saying? That didn't, because that product was there, the product was an end result of it, but it was the working together that was the big deal. You're, you're, you're going to work together with God to raise your children. But there comes a time where those children are on their own and they have to figure out how to do that themselves. You, you follow where I'm coming from? It's not the product he's as concerned about as it is the relationship he has with you. Um, same thing's true with our teaching. Tonight's Awana. It's not the product of each night's teaching that's the big deal. What it is, is did we work together with God because he's the one that can make the product. It's not, not just us, all right? And that's, that's probably um, better used in the illustrations of building a house or anything else, all right? Uh, it always involves an action, a response to the stimulus God has given, uh, by an event based on his word and character. So he calls Abraham. He says, get up, go from where you are to the land I'm going to show you. Right at that point, Abraham's got a choice, doesn't he? Now, it's not a choice, do, would you like to take a trip to China? It's not a choice of, say, would you, would you like to have a bowl of ice cream? The choice was, are you going to follow what I said to you or are you going to stay right where you're at? Right? If he follows, that's an action. Does that make sense? And this is where James said, faith without works is dead. If you say you believe something, act on it. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for us to be in a relationship in this education we got. He's moving us toward being conformed to the image of his son. If he's telling us to do something or showing us to do something, we're supposed to respond to that and do it. Then, um, uh, let's see what else I want to say there. God has given us by, yes. All right, number four. Each lesson is opportunity for the human to work in union with God, not as a separate duty-bound person working for God. Uh, this, is, this is a great distinction right here. I really want to, uh, if I can, hone in on this one. Maturity is learning that you're not working for God. You're working with God. If you're working for God, it's your duty-bound process to do what you're doing. And it's fruitless. It doesn't because it's just you doing it. You're doing it because you think you have to do it. Okay? That's, that's, not a, that's fruitless. That doesn't go anywhere. You feel good about it up to a point. But after a while, you realize, no, this really isn't what it's about. You're wanting to bear fruit. And that fruit means you're working with God, not for God. And that's why failure is so important. We'll get to that in just a second here. All right? Each lesson is an opportunity, number four, for the human to work in union with, with God, not as a separate duty-bound person working for God. When operating without this union with God, failure will occur. Failure will occur. All right? By failure, it doesn't mean that you didn't get something done. Uh, for instance, I, I know this. 
there are times that I can uh, not feel like preaching or teaching or anything else, and sometimes I'll just get up and uh, try to teach from what, I know I did this a lot when I was younger, uh, because I was looking at a text and I was, I was saying what the text said, but it didn't bear any fruit. Why? Because I was looking at what the text said and I was saying what the text said. I, I remember so well, I was in, uh, I don't know, 82, 83. I'd been preaching for maybe seven, eight months, something like that here. And a very blessed brother came up to me one day and said, you know, if you ever counted on the Spirit, your teaching would be fruitful. I had no idea what the man was talking about. I mean, and, and he knew as he said it. You're, you are so ignorant, you really don't know what I just said to you. And he said, uh, you, you really need to learn how to let the Spirit speak through you and not your education. Well, I, I still didn't understand what he meant. And it took me a while to finally figure out, oh, there is a difference between being able to study. Yeah, yeah. Rich, I think uh, you're a, a drill instructor in, uh, in the Army. You, you can look at the manual. You can see what the manual says, and you can say, but, man, nothing works as well as knowing how to fire that implement or knowing how to set that off or knowing what it's like to hike with this thing here. You need to know what you're, what you're doing. When you speak from experience because you were taught that experience, what you speak has more authority now. And there were times that I spoke without any authority because I didn't, I didn't have that the Spirit working with me. I was working by myself. Is that, is that making sense to you? That same thing can happen to you in Awana, in Trail Life, in American Heritage Girls, with your family. That, can, that works all over that place that way. In your conversations with other people, uh, well, let me go on because I think you'll get it. And by failure, I just mean it didn't have fruit. The words were right, and there'd be people who could walk away, and they had good notes because they, they know what that verse says. But I was like a seminary professor that didn't believe what he was talking about. I, I gave all the correct stuff, and God can use the correct stuff. not saying that at all. I'm just saying that he didn't because it wasn't coming from the right on my part. Number five, failure is a big part of the success of his training. And failure is the proof to ourselves that we do not have the power to train ourselves or to reach the God-given goal. It reveals our utter weakness that causes us to rely solely on God. Failure is meant to reveal our need of God, leading to repentance and the attendant humility. Would you turn with me if you, with your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 just for a minute? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 1 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Those two are related items. One depends on the other. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, if you're poor in spirit, you finally come to the realization that you really do need God. You're really not uh, all that in a bag of chips. You, you've, you've got a lot more to work on. That you're as, as good as you think you might be doing on the thing, without him, it's fruitless. That's what Jesus taught us, is it not? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, and my words abide in you. Then you shall ask what you will, it shall be done. If you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. If we're not doing that, we are, um, we're not going to be fruitful. And when you come to the realization that you can't do that, that's poor in spirit. And the ones who are poor in spirit come to Jesus and they're recognizing, I don't have anything to offer. This, this whole story, everything that's here is your story. It's, it's not mine. I didn't write this. This is not my theology. I, I didn't even come up with this. I'm only participating with it. Without you, it doesn't make sense. I, I know it makes sense to me because you made it make sense to me. But I can't make it make sense to anybody else unless you're engaged with this. That's why we're supposed to be people who are full of the Spirit so that when we speak, what's coming out is the proper thing. But it starts by being poor in spirit, by recognizing I don't have anything to offer in this. The whole message is yours. Teach me your message. Teach me to speak as you speak. Teach me to pray as you pray. Teach me to see what you see. Teach me those things, all right? Because then if you would, look at the next verse, verse 4. Blessed, uh, blessed are those who mourn. What would you mourn for? Well, if you know that you're poor in spirit and you haven't got anything to offer... And yet you want to offer something. That brings you to the point where you're mourning. I don't have anything. I, I want to offer something to you, but I've got nothing. I'm a poverty-stricken fellow. I'm, I'm broken about this. I, and that's when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? They shall be comforted. Or blessed are those who mourn. They shall be comforted. What comfort do you get? The comfort of the Holy Spirit. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's who comes to you when, when you can know. And I bet you each one of you probably had a situation like that where um, you didn't realize you were about to get into a, an evangelism situation. You didn't realize you were about to be witnessing. And someone talk, is talking to you, and you know now, well, I need to speak to him about Jesus. And as soon as you started speaking about Jesus, it's like somebody else took over that whole conversation for you. And you began to talk to those people, and they were startled at what you were saying. And you're startled at what you're saying because you're saying, I didn't recognize that I even knew this stuff. And when they're saying, that makes sense. I want to trust Jesus Christ. That's when you can know, that didn't come from me. That was the grace of God that was speaking it through, the Spirit of God speaking through me there. That's what God did. All right? Am I making sense to you? All right? Um, Failure is when you you're, realize you're at the, you're are poor in spirit. That's what we mean by failure. You, uh, I I can think of a number of times that I felt maybe when I came I was a, an Awana worker for a while, and sometimes 
I really was too tired, tired to be there. And maybe, maybe you've been there sometime. Maybe you've done something like that. I really just didn't feel like being there. Or I thought, I've got so many other things I need to be doing tonight. I don't want to be at a one. You know, and, but I went ahead and went and was, you know, because that's what faithful people do, right? They go ahead and go. And uh, I, I tried to work with the boys there. And I, when I got back home, and I said, I wasn't ready for them. I didn't pray. I didn't have myself prepared for those boys. And I don't think I gave them a good shot tonight. That's failure. That's when you're poor in spirit, when you realize you've got nothing to give them. And maybe the next week, then you're thinking things through a little bit more, and you're, you've had time each, each of those days to pray for each of the boys in your group. And you're praying for them, Father, open their hearts to it, because I know that unless you open their heart, they're not going to get it. And that next week, you go, and sure enough, God has opened their heart. Not of all of them, but maybe that one right there. And you got to talk to him about the verse that he memorized, and it just flows from you. That's what I'm talking about, being able to join up with the team. All right? Uh, failure uh, is meant to reveal our need of God, leading to repentance. Now, that's not repentance of sin. That's a change of mind about who's in charge. That's when I'm changing from thinking about my condition and I'm now realizing my position is what's really important. Now, remember when we're talking about this? Condition is how I'm acting and how I'm feeling at any given time, and that goes up and down and all over the place. But my position never changes. The goal is for us to, when we're failing, run quick to your position. Get back to what your position is, not your condition. Uh, maybe, maybe you realize you blew it. There, there's several times when I was younger. I guess it's just my night to tell you about my failures. Uh, but when I was younger and, and I was understanding what the Word of God had to say and I was so excited about it, um, as Al was talking about a minute ago, you went to your family and you told them every, everything there was to know about the Bible. <laughs> you just backed up the dump truck. and <laughs> Well, there were times when I know that I won lots of arguments and lost the war because even though I defeated them and they couldn't come back with anything to say, neither did they trust Christ. Because they didn't trust Christ, that failure helped me understand just stop being the guy that has to win everything. You don't. Jesus will win what he wants to win. You just speak the truth, all right? All right. So I had to change my mind about who's the boss. That's all I mean there. Repentance is simply changing your mind about how the gospel works, about who your boss is, about how Jesus wants to work through you. Change your mind about that, and then quickly run to humility, which is another word for poor in spirit. When you're, when you're recognizing I need you in this, Lord Jesus. All right, let me go to number six. Number six is the foundational keys in this training for our part is this. We need the humility to admit that we need God, the humility to admit we need God for the entire process, even for understanding the instructions. That's humility. When you can back off and say, thank you, Lord. I know you've given me instructions. Please help me understand the instructions and then fill me with your spirit so I know how to carry it out. That's humility. Number, letter B, it's complete trust in the goodness, wisdom, and righteousness of God to make us as holy and good as he is. 
There, I'm trusting in what he has said is my position. Okay? So that complete trust is, if he's telling me I'm a child of God, seated in the heavenlies with the Lord Jesus Christ, that I'm already finished in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm already complete, then it's time for me to stop going on about anything else other than completely trusting God in this process. All right? And then... Um, it's to know that no matter how difficult the training or the process may seem, it is perfect and complete. You, you may not always like everything he's doing in the training, but kids, on the other side of this is you are going to be just like Jesus. That's a worthy goal. Look, if, if we think enough of Jesus to be glad that he saved us, think what a wonderful thing it is to be like him. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, let's, let's flip to the backside on this. Unquestioning obedience to God. This is what he, the author, has called reckoning. I'm reckoning these things to be so. I'm not thinking about my condition. I'm reckoning that position is true, and I'm speaking from that position. I'm not speaking from my condition. I'm not worthy to speak. But from position, Jesus is worthy to speak through me. So that's what I mean by unquestioning obedience to God. If God says, let's do this, let's do this. We don't have to come up with a, a second opinion. Uh, letter D, thanksgiving for the work of God. I'm believing more and more in the power of thanksgiving. Uh, thanksgiving is such a powerful thing because what it will do is to change your viewpoint of everything. When you can start saying, thank you, Lord, for the thing we're going through right now, I may not understand it, but I know you are incapable of doing evil. So I want to thank you for what we're going through right now. Thank you for the plan of God and the end of the goal. I know, Father, that as tough as this is, that somewhere out there, I am going to look just like Jesus. There are some people in this church that I think, you know, the Lord has so much prepared for them such a reward that's coming at the end of this thing because I've watched them suffer. Now, uh, when, when, well, matter of fact, let's just take a look at Romans uh, chapter 8 a moment, all right? Romans chapter 8. And let's pick up about, what was it, verse uh, 15 or so? Let me see. Yes. Okay, let's start at 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. So that's about position, is it not? You're, you're not going to be afraid of him because of the condition you're in. Maybe you didn't pray as much as you should. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're not feeling good. It doesn't matter. You're, that, the, the spirit that you got is not a condemning spirit that's beating you up because you're not worthy. It is a spirit of adoption that's saying, you're my child. Walk with me. Let's walk together in this thing. That's position, all right? So as he says it here, um, the Spirit himself, or I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, this 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Spirit of God in that person that's poor in spirit, that person that's, that's humble, is looking at saying the Spirit is saying to your spirit, you're a child of God. You're a child of God, secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a child of God. Now watch. And if children, 
heirs also, heirs, uh, I'm sorry, heirs of God, follow, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. All right, now let's, here's where I want to take us through a careful understanding of what these verses are saying. Some, when they say this, says, this is about persecution. No, there's not a thing in this passage about persecution. This is a passage that follows 6, 7. This is chapter 8. 6 and 7 have been about sin in our lives and our suffering through the, you know, the 7 is, uh, you know, when I want to do the right thing, sin is in there and I don't do the right thing and I get so frustrated. That's suffering with him. Everybody follow where I'm at? This is not about persecution. This is about everyday living that you're not surrendering to sin. It's not your master anymore. It's not, it's not dominant over you anymore. You don't have to live that way. What you're doing is saying, Lord Jesus. And, and if it means that you, you stop and say, Lord Jesus, this thing's at me again. Thank you for my delivery that's in you. Thank you. I, I see myself, uh, I'm, I'm ready to be, uh, I'm ready to say something that's ugly. Stop before you do. Lord Jesus, I'm feeling anger inside me. Please stop me from, please help me from uh, not expressing that anger in some way. You're going to be angry. So if you're ever getting upset because I shouldn't be an angry person, you're in the image of God. God gets angry. You're going to get angry too. There are some things that should make you angry. But you need to control what you do about that anger. If you blow up and explode, then the, the, righteous, the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So don't, don't do that. Plead for his help and, and let him uh, help you with that. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and look a little further. I mean, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that suffering, kids, that's what he was talking about when Jesus learned obedience through the things which he suffered. It, it isn't just the persecution that he had to go through. Suffering was the stupidity he had to live around. You follow me? Where you have semi-believing people is what you're working with. And you, you can hear it come out of him at times when he says, um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they've just fed 5,000 people and they've got all this bread left over and the disciples forgot to put it in the boat. Okay. So they're taken off across the water there and Jesus says, out of nowhere, beware of the the." Um, yeast of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees. They look at each other and what in the world? Oh, I know what it is. He's talking about the fact we forgot the bread, so we don't have anything to eat. That's what they're talking about. And Jesus says, did you just say bread? No, I'm telling you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Don't you, don't you get it? No. No, they didn't. Why at that point, when you think about what power Jesus could have done, why at that point do you not just toss a couple of them overboard and get to the other side and pick up two or three more when you get over there? Because you're going to suffer long-suffering with people who are not getting it. 
You understand what I'm saying? And you're going to have that long suffering with the Lord Jesus Christ when you don't get it. And you're going to suffer through the things that you are tempted by. That's what the suffering's about. Look, we, we all have passions inside us. The passions are not the problem. It's the use of the, pass, the, the passions, okay? There's a passion called lust, okay? There's several ways you can lust that. There is a negative way that you can lust and say, you know, I, I want to have more whatever this is here. I want to have extra food. I want to have extra sex. I want to. There is one way you can let. But can I tell you, that same passion moved toward the Lord Jesus Christ says, I want more of Christ. I will never be satisfied until I have more of Christ. I, I want to I learn more about the kingdom. I want to know more people get to know Jesus Christ. You're using the same lust. You're directing it. Am I making sense to you? You're directing that. You're, you're not going. You, look, if you took all the passions in your body out, you know what that's called? Death. Because yeah, that's the only way to get rid of them. You, you have, you've got them. It's now redirecting them by the Spirit of God. All right? So that's the suffering that you're going through. And he says, if we look at this again in verse 17 there, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Look, when you are willing to say, I will fight to redirect my passions. I will fight for this. I will use the Spirit of God and fight against this stuff. I am going to win this battle against the demons that are out to, out to oppose to me. I'm going to go through this suffering. Jesus did, and he'll get me through this too. To know that through that, kids, you're going to rule and reign with him. That's what's coming. I, when I think of the number of people I've watched go through, uh, I'm, I won't call any names because that would be embarrassing, uh, to see the things they went through. I mean, some of the physical harm that they went through and to know that that had to be difficult for them. And they were suffering with Christ as they went through it. Does that make sense to you? Why, why do I say that? Because look, I know what it's like to have pain and I know what it's like to have chronic pain. When that chronic pain is there, it's really hard to think spiritual thoughts sometimes. It's really difficult, and you have to really work at it to think those thoughts. That's called suffering. Is that, you follow where I'm at? All right, well, I'm, I'm, I think I've maybe nailed that one home enough. And then um, something I'm learning more and more all the time, ceaseless prayer. N not just praying when you think you ought to or when you want to, but really not letting yourself have too many spare times when you're not thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I, I was thinking of an illustration I want to give to the um, Trail Life boys. I have a uh, ham radio license. I, I have my, my general, uh, I have my technician. So I've only got one more to go before I'm the as full license as you can get. And here's what I learned on um, 
ham radio. My call numbers are KD9TTX. KD9TTX. Now, I hear guys talking all the time on there. You know, like I have it on most of the time, and I can hear the, the things that they're saying to each other. And they, you know, they'll call this call number and that call number. When you use that call number, that person comes up, and the conversation is with that person. And they have some really good conversations. I, I learn a lot from a lot of the things they talk about with each other. But when it calls KD9TTX, <laughs> my ears are up. Man, I'm grabbing that radio. This is KD9TTX. How can I, what's going on with you today? And I'll call their number back and say, this is what's going on. And we're now having a conversation. I don't have to be involved for the other conversations that go on that don't say KD9TTX. All right? Are you following me so far? I hope this, uh, maybe I'll, I'll work this illustration with you, see if I can work with the Trail Life guys next week. When you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, you just gave his call numbers. And he listens immediately. You are in his realm. You understand what I'm saying? You're on his frequency, and the two of you now are engaged in an intimacy of conversation. When you say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, you're in his realm. And that's why I'm, I'm learning more and more. Say that when you're driving. Say that when you're just sitting someplace. Say that anytime you want. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And you can say, have mercy on me, heal me, teach me, guide me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, please have mercy on my wife. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy. And you're in his realm. Do you understand what I mean? And using his name, you use the authority of the whole cosmos. You are now in the zone. You, you are hearing him, he's hearing you, and you're set to be giving the, the information that you want to give, you're, you're set to be receiving that information. Heaven is changing the earth. All right. Ceaseless prayer. That's, what, that's all I mean by that one. The ceaseless prayer is always calling out the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always uh, speaking to him about what you, what you want to have so that you stay in that with him. Well, your author then in your book, so if, if you got that book, um, we can bring it out. He called... He had three big statements in here. They are failure categorized, failure recognized, and failure utilized. Uh, under failure categorized, it does, how does the failure of solo performance show itself? Now, I'm calling it solo performance. He called it the self-life. It's, it's one and the same, okay? We're just simply saying when you're depending more on the self to do things than you are the living God. Anytime you depend on, that's a solo, yourself, that's a solo performance. And you can count on that being fruitless. It just can't get anything done. All right. So uh, let me go to failure categorized 249, the bottom page. When, with some, the downward trend begins early in the Christian life. After a time of faithfulness in Bible study and memorization, church activity, prayer, witnessing, there comes a decline. 
Now let me ask just, I know many of you are older in here, and you've, been in, you've known Christ for a long time. Did you ever experience this? where there was a, a decline after you were doing something for a little while. You thought, I've been in Bible studies. I've done Scripture memory. And all of a sudden, it's just like the whole world just dropped off, and you're, you're, you're feeling that decline. Guilt-fostered attempts are made to regain the ground loss. So you start feeling bad because you're, you're recognizing things are not as fruitful as they were. Your life doesn't seem to be as effective as it was. But that, when you try those guilt-fostered um, attempts, it's with no avail. He says, heartbreaking as it is, the badly shaken Christian is being prepared early to realize the power of the self-life. So what, what he's telling us here is God is letting us fail. That's, that's valuable. Now, uh, any of you ever t- teach your children to ride a bike? There are times that you do have to let it go and risk failure. It, it hurts. It, you know, it hurts as a dad. You've got that bike up there, and you've been walking around with it, walking around with it, and you're going all kinds of places, holding that bike up, and they're just pedaling away, and they think they got it, and then you let it go. And there's that feeling in your heart that just says, <gasps> what did I just do? But you know They'll never ride the bike without your hand on it if you don't let it go. And that's what our Father does to us. He does let go. If we're going to be independent, we're going to act independent, He lets go so that failure does come. So the next time you'll ask Him, please be engaged with me. I don't want to do that again. When I go into these things by myself, I'm, I'm dumb. I don't do it properly, all right? So he mentioned several other things there, and I don't, I don't want to bore you with all the things you, you've had a chance to read them, but he, he talks about um, leaders and faithful laymen and a Christian wife and mother that seeks to establish and maintain a Christ-centered home. Um, the husband and children fail to respond to the Savior. And I'll just say this. I, I know plenty of uh, dads who genuinely wanted to have devotions in their home and they really did try to have devotions at home but man they failed so many times and there's nothing like failing enough often enough that you finally just say i'm not going to do this anymore it's uh it's too late to start tonight kids you know i know i'd have devotions but it's too late tonight and to know that failure especially when you know nobody's paying attention to a thing that you just said they're just not listening to you, not even your wife. You're thinking, what's the point with this? And maybe sometimes it was just poor timing that you waited till 8 o'clock to do it and everybody's nearly asleep and you still got all the, the teeth, teeth brushing to do and all the things you're about putting everybody away. But that failure is an important failure, Okay. It teaches you how much you need dependence on Christ. Then under failure recognized, uh, he, he said this way, the need, spiritual need, this is the prerequisite for growth in Christ. All of these circumstances of failure have been controlled by our ever faithful Father, the God of circumstances. He knows what needs we need to keep us needy. I thought, what a line is that? He, know, he knows what needs we need to keep us needy. 
Um, it is true that the downward path, the negative side, has been the consequence both of the workings of self and the tactics of the enemy. All right? So that's under failure recognized. And those are all good. All that's doing is how do we learn that we need him? That's all he means by that failure. What does it take for me to know I need him? That's what I've got to have. And then on the failure utilized, how did our failure lead us to personal identification with Jesus in his resurrected life? How did it lead us from condition to position? If I was wise and I, I recognized the failure and I didn't just beat myself up for being a failure, because you, that, you can do that too, that's not repentance. That's a pity party. There's a difference, you know, between repentance and a pity party. A pity party, you just keep on feeling more and more sorry for yourself. You beat yourself up, and then you start finding excuses for why you could beat yourself up, or you start blaming other people. With repentance, when there's that kind of sorrow that comes from that, and it leads to repentance, you're saying, I know what I did wrong. I see what I did wrong. I'm counting on the, on the Savior from now on for that. All right? So those are my uh, notes and lessons for tonight. How's that? One sheet. Is that good? You feel like humans now again, huh? Instead of having it. Well, one of the things I think about some of the other times that I've, I've been teaching and things is that I want to remind you that he who endures to the end shall be saved. Okay? So if you can endure all the way through what I have to say many times, then you, in fact, will be saved. You're going to get through the entire tribulation. I'm, I've set you up for it so that you'll have nothing but good success. Amen? All right. Well, we've got uh, a few minutes left to pray. Um, anybody got any additional things for us to pray for? Maybe you thought of something else while we were um, going through a lesson or anything like that. Anybody got anything else? Chrissy? I've had a mix-up with some medication that's going to cause the next few days to be really rough. And I just ask for prayer for protection for my heart. And okay. Then I can get through to the other side. All right. All right. Some tough. Got some medication mixed up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. Anything else? Gordon posted on Facebook. He's asking for prayer. He found out today he has COVID. Ew. Okay. What's What's that now? Gordon asking for prayer. He posted on Facebook today that he has COVID. Oh, wow. Okay. Gordon Neal. All right. Okay. Keep Gordon in prayer. Gordon, Gordon Neal has COVID. <laughs> I don't think she gave it as a praise report. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he'd agree with you. <laughs> All right. Anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Anybody can pray that wants to, and uh, let's see what God has for us. That's good. And Father, I thank you that you remind us that you have given us all things that not only pertain to life and godliness, but even more to give us what we need to depend upon you. Even through these um, sicknesses, ailments that our brothers and sisters are going through, uh, we recognize even through that you are going to uh, 
cause us to depend upon you that much more. But we do ask that you would bring to our hearts and minds on a daily basis our brothers and sisters' needs, such as Gordon with his uh, diagnosis with COVID, and uh, we know that, and you know his body and how to take care of it. May this be also an opportunity for him to uh, maybe be quiet and listen to you and hear your voice. My sister, Betsy, has her uh, medicine uh, mix-ups. You know that you know how our bodies work. Pray that you would grant this uh, mix-up to be corrected, but also that through this, um, be reminded that you are the great physician. And we thank you, Lord, for the uh, privilege of being able to uh, have a part in the ministry here at the Bible Church and as uh, we'll be able to share in a funeral next week uh, here and with our brothers and sisters in another part of, of the state here. That, they might, that we might be an encouragement to them as we provide the means for them to have this funeral and we can be with them and grant them uh, the grace that you have for them. Lord Jesus Christ, of God. I thank you for each and every person here. For the pastor who was preaching your word. For Mike and Sheila, their faithfulness to each other and faithfulness to this church and Sheila's and Mike's faithfulness. Sheila's faithfulness to the school and Michael's magnificent job that he's done over the years for here. For Roxanne, and the struggles that she's been going through in the past. She wrestled with the beast and beat it. Amen. What a glorious thing that is. For Julie, our beloved sister, who we love and admire, and the, the unknown things that we don't know, but she knows. Lord, give her just a little, give her a whole bunch of rest and peace and comfort with that. Help her to grow more and more like you. For our sister Christine, what a lovely person she is. In all the, 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 the illnesses and the physical things that she has going on, she always seems to have a smile on her face. Always gives you a hug. Always. Our brother Paul, I thank you for him, faithful servant. And for Patty, for the situation that she finds herself in. We know, Lord, that you can do it all. You created it all. You make the waters to fall on the earth. You make the snow to fall on the earth. You are the creator of creators. We thank you for all that you're going to do. We thank you for our sister, Mercy. She also beat the beast. She defeated that demon. With your help, Lord. Her faith never wavered one bit. Thank you for that. Special prayer this evening, Lord, 
course, all prayers are special. That you would find the kidney for my daughter, Julie. Yes. She's still just a young person. She is on the list. And my special prayer is that you would find that. But we all, I also know that you have this all under control. I thank you for the teachers at Awana tonight and for those precious students over there who are not only getting a bit of an education, but they're getting into your word so that they will carry it with them. They will remember Awana for the rest of their lives. I just need to thank you for that. I thank you for the congregation as the church. What a loving, giving uh, congregation that we have here. Thank you for that. Thank you for the structure that you have provided. Lord, we just owe you everything because without you, we know we can do nothing. Lord, I just want to give you thanks and glory and power and honor. Amen. Father, thank you for this rich gift of prayer. To be able to talk to you, ruler of the entire universe. Thank you, Father, for who you are. May your name be hallowed and, and spoken only in the most holy of place. Thank you, Father, that you have a kingdom and that you're bringing all things right into that kingdom. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Thank you for our provision, Father, for things you watch over. Thank you for the way you have provided for this church and the, the, the people in it, the things that you have given us to do, the, the, 
provision you made for us and to live in good homes. Thank you, Father. That's very gracious of you and kind of you. I lift up uh, my brother Wayne in Alaska, Father, and the, my brothers and sisters and our brothers and sisters in Gustavus. We ask, Father, in Jesus' name, bring them into a bond and a unity of peace and harmony in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Jesus Christ be known in Gustavus and that the whole community will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I know as they get to be, uh, be having some difficult times ahead to, uh, uh, over some uh, governmental problems that are rising. I ask for the sake of Christ, you'll give them a lot of wisdom and discernment how to work their way through all those. Again, I thank you for that. I, I do pray that uh, the individuals that uh, at times want to create problems just for the, the whole body of Christ in general, especially there at Gustavus, that you'll minister to them, guys like Joe. I ask you to give Joe freedom from the bondage he's caught up in with the uh, bitterness or whatever it is that grabbed a hold of him, Father. Set him free. Help him to know truth, freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lift up Gordon to you, Father, and ask in Jesus' name you'll minister healing, grace, peace, comfort, strength to him, and I thank you for what you will do there. Pray that uh, Jolene will be kept free from it and that uh, they won't have to go through all that. Thank you again for what you're doing there. I do want to lift up the, the young men and women that are in Awana tonight, the young men and women that are in schools, both of our schools, that in Jesus' name you'll open their hearts to really receive the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to talk to them truthfully about the good things of Christ, Father. Thank you for what you're going to do there. We do ask you to bring them to harmony with the Word of God, harmony with the Holy Spirit, and I thank you for what you will accomplish in their lives as they are transformed into the image of Christ. Now, thank you for what you're going to do in each of us as we ask you to dismiss us with your grace and peace. So we lift up Patty tonight to you, Father asking for more strength and healing and grace to be given to her. Thank you for what good thing you've already done there, Father, and I give you praise for that. Thank you now for what you're going to accomplish in uh, the, the ministry of Awana tonight, Trail Life, the American Heritage, the seniors. Thank you, Father, for it all in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Appreciate it a bunch.